Hey friends, it's Colin Johnson and welcome to the Johnson City Living Podcast where we learn about the people, places, events, and flavors that make Johnson City a lovely place to live. It's a beautiful day here in Johnson City and I am here with a longtime friend of mine, Mike Marion. How are you, Mike? I'm super glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for jumping in. Um, I was glad you could make it this morning. So I really appreciate your time. It's always good to talk to you, Colin, even if we are being recorded. That's right. Well, you look good on camera and over the microphone. You sound great, too. You've got a, you've got a great voice. So um, tell the audience a little bit about Mike Marion and um, yeah, and how you made it to Johnson City, Tennessee. Well, I grew up in Hancock County, which is a couple hours away mm-hmm. uh, up in the mountains. And in uh, 1978, I come here to go to school at ETSU, and uh, never even been to Johnson City until I started school. Uh, And from there, uh, my wife and I, we both thought we would go into the mission field and ended up working in a group home for 10 years in North Carolina and here. And from that point, we... Uh, started a, a ministry, an organization, after-school program at that time called Boys to Men, and that was in 1992. And that's what we've been doing ever since, uh, doing it would change its name to Rise Up for Kids. And so that's our primary project we're involved in that kind of gives us meaning and purpose. I like it. So you said you came here, you made it to Johnson City. When was that? And you came to ETSU? In 1978. Now, you're kind of a tall fella. Did you play basketball for ETSU? Well, I was one of those kids who had a growth spurt, a six-inch growth spurt in one year. I remember that. And and unfortunately, uh, the growth spurt and age did not go together. So I never did not have coordination until I was about 16. And by that time, it was too late. I tried and got cut after the first day. Ah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had the same growth spurt. My knees hurt for months. I remember my mom would, I'd hang them over the back of the couch. She'd just pull down to like separate the joint. And so it would give it room to grow, I guess. And then uh, I was always knocking stuff over. It's like my arm was an extra foot longer than I thought it was. And so she was like, I think it's time for you to figure that out. Well, I moved to Detroit in my sophomore year from, from the holler. And my, um, hold my, up. How do we move to Detroit from, Hancock County. Well, I was raised by my grandparents. Okay. And then my grandmother died in my freshman year. And so I went to live with my grandmother in Detroit for my sophomore year. So when I left, I was short and heavy. And when I come back, I was tall and skinny. I was the tallest kid in school. Oh, wow. So there was an assumption that I could play basketball, <laughs> which was quickly dis spelled after the first day of practice and i saw my name on the wall i got you and so however your nickname is coach right my nickname is coach and so is it one of those like those who can't coach is <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the obvious is true <laughs> so, so tell me how you got into coaching basketball has that only been through rise up it's only been through Rise Up because really Rise Up started as a result of basketball. Oh, really? And so when we moved here, our group home was out on Watauga Road. Mm-hmm. And our oldest son at that time was eight, and he wanted to play basketball. So you were zoned in to whatever school you're closest to. 
And at that time, it was Stratton Elementary. Uh-huh. And so they had trouble finding coaches. Most of the kids were fatherless. And so I volunteered to coach. And from that, the kids that we were coaching just started doing better in school. And they asked me, could I keep on meeting with them and uh, weekly meeting with them? And that's what inspired boys to meet. And so the title they gave me, of course, was I was Coach Marion. And ever since that time, it's really, uh, it isn't, you refer to it as nickname, it's really a title in the sense of, uh, the kids don't call me Mr. Marion, or they don't certainly don't call me Michael. Um, and uh, it, I've seen looks on other kids' faces when I accidentally call me something other than coach. The other kids just quickly correct them. So yeah. after 30 years with parents and hundreds of kids has played for me, that's, that's just my title, Coach Marion. And no one really asked me, did I ever play anymore, fortunately. Sorry to bring that up. That's Sore okay. spot. Poke it a little bit. No, I did play in the eighth grade, but I did not play. Um, I played all the way first grade through eighth grade and then got more into tennis. I enjoyed that a little bit more. And um, Yeah. So, um, okay. So you came here for me to, to go to ETSU. How'd you meet Miss Sherry? Well, I met her at Campus Crusade event. Uh, she had transferred from Carson Newman. Okay. And uh, a friend of ours uh, kept saying to her, you need to meet Michael Marion. At that time, I was in the Philippines for a, a trip. And so uh, we met, and I would like to say we hit it off. Uh, <laughs> but hitting off, if you mean by hitting off, we clearly disliked each other. That was clearly in the cards. Uh, but we were in the same group together. And so after a year or so, we made peace. And eventually, we made babies. Ah, you finally broke her down. Kind of like Carly. I, I talked her into it, I think. I, I I would like to say I wore her down, but charm. Yeah. But she would deny it. That's so. right. Same here. Yeah. Persistence. Persistence. Persistence and, um, is what wore her down. And a, a miracle, I think, is where I kept my, yeah, yes. my thought on it. Yes. For sure. For sure. Okay. So... You worked at a group home, then you got into, um, you started Boys to Men because your son needed a coach, and then you became Coach Marion through that. And, Correct. And Boys to Men started in 92, did you say? 92. And when did you decide, hey, I'm going to just start walking? Like, <laughs> I remember, I think that's where we first met. I didn't know you very well, and we met through, I think, the Emmaus community originally right. and um, on a couple of Emmaus walks, and we were helping out with kids, and that was a lot of fun, and our friend Layton was involved with that, and so um, I met you there, but then you were you went on a crusade, you were going to walk around town, and tell me more about where that came from. Well, Layton, I mean... Um, I'm going back. You are going back, Colin. Uh I have three or four things I want said about me when I leave this world, and one of them is that he did everything he thought God wanted him to do, except for maybe he was confused from time to time. <laughs> uh, and and so I was listening or reading uh, about the guy. There's this guy. His, the website was called Fat Man Walking, and it was this 400-pound guy who – started walking across the country. And so it, this was a long time ago, so he was blogging, and and so his whole mission was to walk across the country. 
And it was just like one of those things I just could not let go. Huh. What, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Because I see a lot of things, and it's like, that's just a thing. But then something grabs a hold of me. And then I have to ponder, is it just one of my weird ideas, or is it something I'm supposed to do? And it was like, I talked to Sherry. I said, Sherry, I think I was supposed to do something with this. She said, you're going to walk across the country? <laughs> and I'm going like, uh, well— but I could walk across the country and never leave town. Yeah, so I like th- it. That's what I did. So how many miles did you put in? Well, uh, the first time was a thousand miles. It was a hundred mile it was ten miles a day for a hundred days straight. All right. And the idea was to raise awareness to mentoring and to do what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't really hurt. Right, and so just your body. <laughs> well, yeah, but the body always needs help. That's right. And so, um, and then the second major time was I did it every day for a year, and so it was one of those things where uh, would I ever do it again? I, I don't know. I, I I hope I don't get that weird idea uh, because I I don't walk. I don't exercise. I exercise. Me and exercise don't go together very well. Um, and so uh, that's for every day, for basically a year, I walk 10 miles a day. That's awesome. And what were some of the fruits of that? Well, the idea was to raise awareness to of mentoring, uh-huh. but I, I'm not sure how effective that was because you didn't have the different mediums to measure it and so forth. But I think the biggest thing was that I could look at kids and go, you know, you can take a hard dream and you can make it happen. Because a lot of times we talk about dreams or things that's beyond ability and it's more like a wish. But if you have a dream that's possible, that you have the talents for, uh, and I always say this to kids who ask about weird ideas or concepts or whatever, is I do believe that every kid and every adult can reach their dreams as long as they don't add two components to it. The minute you decide to add fame or fortune to it, it becomes not an adventure, but becomes possibly a soul-draining experience Mm. and possibly a failure experience. If you want to be a dancer, and thankfully it has not ever hit my my head, But if you want to be a dancer, anybody could be a dancer. But the minute you said, I want to be famous or I want to make my living, mm-hmm. it, then that's when dreams become, <clears throat> excuse me, become a burden mm-hmm. and become beyond a dream. And so I was able to look at kids and say, listen, I could be Mr. No Exercise guy. I could walk 10 miles a day for a year rain snow shine Mm -hmm. now i had a gym we have a gym and so on really bad weather days that's where i would go but uh so the big thing is that i could look at someone just say yeah you can do this you can do this if i could do this you can do this because there's nothing gifted in me to do that other than i was just supposed to do that in my mind and i did it with support from Sherry and understanding that I may miss this or that and so forth. But, um, it, yes, would I recommend it for anyone? <laughs> I would come up with something else. But you're probably a better person for doing it. 
I have a story. Yeah, that's right. You have a great story. You have, have tons story. of stories. I think that's one of the things I love hanging out. When I hang out with you, I get a story. Well, and thank you. Every time I walk away going, man, I really enjoyed talking to you. And so well, I was excited that's, to that's have you. Well, I, yeah, I admire you a lot. And so, okay. So we're at Boys to Men. You were walking. And, and then you kind of said, hey, it's not just about boys. When did that hit you? Because well, you actually saw there were other kids out well, there. Well, <laughs> the walking was way after we started involved in girls. Okay. But early on, the girls going like, why can't I come to boys to men? Obvious. <laughs> why you can't? You don't want to be a man. <laughs> right. Um, and so um, uh, it was one of those things where, gosh, these boys have sisters. Mm. Uh, these, there's, other girls and this whole demographic. Of tell that. me, yeah, tell me about the. I mean, I'm I've served on the board for a while right, and right. I'm very involved with Rise Up and love it and love what you do. But tell the audience about the kids that you help on a daily basis. Well, and then we can kind of get back right. into where we were. Really, there, there's two stages of Rise Up in the early days. Now we're going back almost 30 years ago. Society was different. Okay, and. And I say this, I could walk into a classroom 30 years ago, and I could po- I could point out which kid needed to be and rise up and which one didn't need to mm-hmm. be and mm-hmm. so forth. Today, I don't even have to walk in a classroom and just wave my hand and say they all need to be in. Yeah. Because it's a different world. It's just uh, kids may have more resources mm-hmm. uh, than others. But the world which they live in now is all equal. Right. And so uh, in the early days, we clearly was going after fatherless boys and low-income kids. Um, and so we never used, uh, at that time, the common uh, word was at risk. Uh, and those are like words we don't use in, anymore. Uh, but uh, so that's how it was in the early days. Today, and in the early days, basically, it was just the boys club and us. Okay. Now there's multiple after school programs. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, uh, I don't see us as an after school program as I see us as a youth development program. And so we may have kids that come from strong families, mm-hmm. or we may, uh, by for sure, a lot of our kids come from uh, under resourced families. Uh, but I see in Rise Up that we have two purposes, and it took about 27 years to figure this out is that we are a program that prepares kids for the future, okay? And that preparing for employment, mm-hmm. uh, because I hear so much when I talk to people who have employees, how un, not unskilled in what they're doing, but unskilled in being a worker. And that has nothing to do with your income. That has to do with not being prepared to be a worker, prepared for a future where the values and culture is always ever-changing. Uh, preparing kids for a future where their values may be different from the parents' values and how you negotiate that. So, one, we prepare kids for a future, and a future 10 years ago is different from what we could have ever imagined, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be different, even more different 10 years from now, okay? Uh, and the second thing is that we pr- we try real hard to help kids be relationally successful because all of life is— 
is nothing but an intersection and a collision of 10 different kinds of relationships. Uh, spouse, parent, employer, neighbor, citizen, child of God, uh, coach. And so there's ten, basically 10 different styles of relationship that intersect with each other on a regular basis. And if you come from a family that where you're already behind in solid relationship skills, and then you enter a world where your relationship skills is lacking, then you just, you're, you're already behind. It doesn't necessarily, at Rise Up, we can't help you be a great education student. We can we can help you, but that motivation has to mm-hmm. be there. All right, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm convinced that most kids, and this may be others may disagree with it, but that's one of the beautiful things about being almost sixty. You can have an opinion and get away with it. Is that uh, most kids do as well as they want to academically because Johnson City's school system is amazing. Yes, and so. Uh, the resources to help kids is there, but its motivation may be lacking. Okay, and so that's where having the right mentoring relationships may give you more motivation. So if we can help a kid be prepared for the future, and if we can help a kid learn how to be a friend, learn how to negotiate conflict, learn how to, uh, as we say, be the best boyfriend and best girlfriend ever, mm-hmm. so that when you break up, and I always tell kids, you need a breakup plan because you're going to break up uh, every time except for once. That's right. Uh, and so... I tell my boys they're going to, they date to just find a, a, a wife. You know, well, see, but here's the thing, they're going to break up. They're going to break up. Okay, that that's that's... Done. This is the good right. thing, right? So I tell the, my the boys, in particular, I work with. I want that when she goes to next boyfriend, she goes like, ah, "You're not good as he was." Oh, that you become the standard. I like that. All right, so yeah. if you're the standard, uh, and then you know you've done well. Mm. I'm going to tell my boys that, or they can be listening right now. Be the standard. <laughs> be the standard. Be the, be the standard best boyfriend boy. ever. I love it. Yeah. And so that. Uh, you can be proud of that, and so you don't have anything where you have to hide. And uh, so that, and again, that's part of relationship training. Mm-hmm. So the other stuff in after-school programs, and all the after-school programs, uh, they serve food, they help with homework, right. and do some activities, and all those things are useful and good, and, and we certainly do that. But it's like, if I can help a kid be better relationally, mm-hmm. and if I can help him... Think about the future, and I say him, it's him and her. Mm-hmm. If I can uh, help them think about their future and how to make decisions, mm-hmm. how to make the wise decisions, because the values and all that is always changing. Mm-hmm. But the decision-making process, is it's timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you inter- you um, added girls, and it became Rise Up. And- it became Rise Up because— uh, we had a girlfriend, a program at that time, the girls' component was called Girlfriends. And people was going, uh, was always going, well, you have girls, you include girls. Yes, 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 yes. To me, it didn't bother me. Because right. if you're asking that question, it means we're going to have a conversation. Sure. And I can explain it. Uh, so we changed it to Rise Up for Kids. Sometimes I regret that. Okay. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. But if I had to do it over again, I probably would have never changed it. Okay. That's good to know. Okay, and so it's um, it is a uh, what do we say a 
kid development program, not just an after school program. Right. But um, there's a mentoring factor that's uh, a big part of that, right? And we can make a, you and I can make a plug for Rise Up right now, like a little ad. So if you if you're thinking about being a mentor, come talk to Mike Marion. Um, But seriously, talk about the mentor aspect of it because it involves a lot of people. There are a lot of people investing in these kids, and um, and if you're out there and you think that you may have something to offer um, these kids, we'd love to talk to you about it. And um, But anyway, Mike is going to tell us a little bit about well, the mentoring part of it. The things that I know about people that's consistent with all people and people who listen to this podcast, because only successful people listen to this podcast, <laughs> okay. is that the, so thing, the thing that we have all in common— we wouldn't be who we are without the role of mentors in our life. Mm. And the mentors may not have that title, mm-hmm. but they do have that role. Right. And like when I was growing up, like it's one of the worst things to ever tell kids when I was young. Right, right. right? But similarly, kids are in school and not listening to this, except for your kids. <laughs> uh, so um, when I was growing up, we didn't have mentors, but people served as mentors in my life. They empowered me, gave me dreams, so forth. And so that was just normal. That was the neighbor, that was the coach, that was the Sunday school teacher, and so forth. But the way society has evolved, we have to be intentional about mm. that for many reasons. And it could be it could be human nature, it's just my own thing is more important or what. I'm not sure. But uh, I still know that's still true, that Kids are not going to be successful adults without the role of mentors in their life, mm-hmm. whether that's formal or informal. And so, uh, like my children, our children, uh, they all had mentors and still mm-hmm. have mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're in the mentoring business, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We are. And so, uh, for our kids, the greatest thing we can do for them in Rise Up is give them a caring, committed mentor. And I say a mentor has three facets. A mentor is a cheerleader, a champion, and a coach. Uh, A cheerleader is just like, uh, I love to watch cheerleaders at certain times in games because it doesn't matter how bad the team is doing. They're going like, go, go, play defense. That's right. I'm sorry, they're they're behind at 20, there's two minutes to go. That it's over but they just they just pull for the yeah, team yeah they're cheering right? for a miracle right so every kid needs someone who just pulls for mm-hmm. them no matter how life is going and every kid needs a champion who just says that's my boy mm-hmm. that I will go to I will show up for him I will stand up for him I will we will just He's my guy. Right. Right. And he loves me no matter what. Right. Yep. And every kid needs a coach. Coach is who just says, Hey, I'm here, I'm over here, and I'll give you advice if you need it. And I may sometimes I may just cheer for you, other times I may give you advice at the right time. And other times I'm just gonna be that you're my guy. Mm-hmm. And so Kids need that role. And so kids today, the difference, one of the biggest difference between kids today and kids of 10 to 15 years ago, actually since 2007, is that kids no longer need adults for information. 
but they do need adults for interpretation. And what do we do with that information? Mm. Yeah, because information is plentiful, right? Information is plentiful. Not always accurate. All right. Long before the term fake news was there, there was fake news. Mm -hmm. And whenever you Google anything, you will find uh, plenty of people support that view, whatever that view is on what any subject. All right. So you'll find, and so you need interpreters for that. You need interpreters for how to experience how to interpret life experiences. And so even in a social media-driven world, kids will listen to adults who they believe cares about them Mm -hmm. and who they believe respects them. Mm -hmm. Because used to, in the early days of Rise Up, it was kids naturally respected adults by their positions. Now respect is earned. It doesn't matter whether you're a policeman, school teacher, principal. You may have that title, and they may act a certain way, uh-huh. but internally, they have to. You have to earn their respect. And as a mentor, if you earn your kids' respect, you earn the privilege to help them navigate their life. Yeah, so. that's good wisdom. That is good wisdom. So. I'm going to jump into, it's off topic a little bit, but, you know, there is a ton of information out there. And so um, the truth anymore, in my mind, is kind of a subjective thing. I mean, unless you see it almost with your your eyes or you have somebody that you trust completely tell you something, I'm finding it hard to go online and find the quote unquote truth. What, What do you think about this type of time we're in right now um, well as we was talking earlier about opinions <laughs> um, I am probably the most opinionated person you'd ever want to meet yes right I have an opinion about everything I love it and of course I believe my opinions are 100% right mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I have a need to express my opinion. Agreed. Okay. And this is what I say in regard to youth, is I don't want to lose my privilege to be an influence for my right to give an opinion. Mm-hmm. And same way with adults. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel the need to express my opinion about everything. Gotcha. Uh, just because I can't. Right. In fact, I, I have two rules I almost never violate is I do not give an unsolicited opinion to people outside my inner circle. Gotcha. Because what one person's opinion is another person's principle. Yes. And I always use the uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys experience as, as an example. If you go over in Elizabethan and you just, not so much true now, but certainly true five years ago, if you just said, just sit in... Uh, Chick-fil-A or Zoxpin said the Cowboys stink. <laughs> You're going to you have know, a lot of Jason Whitten fans. You have a lot of people. I'm just Ryan, Ryan, his brother, might be sitting beside you and punching. Well, you'd it. have people just, just be mad. Yeah. And it's just a sports opinion. Yeah. But there, it's a principle. It's it's family in it's Elizabeth. Family. That's and right. So you, you never know when you're expressing your opinion, what is opinion to one person is a principle to another. Right. And I don't want to give up my privilege to express an opinion 
just so I can. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest trouble when I look at social media. There's a whole lot of opinion expression. Yes. And as I teach kids, no one's opinion has ever changed by another person's opinion. It's a change from conversations, mm-hmm. okay. not exchanging of opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the trouble with social media. It is thumb movement and not eye contact. I gotcha. Okay. And so the trouble, one of the biggest troubles is the whole social media, finding truth and that kind of stuff, is that it doesn't come from it doesn't come from dialogue. And one of the greatest uh, experiments I've ever done with kids, it, it's just amazing. And I, I should do it every presidential election. Back in 2016, when uh, Hillary Clinton was running against uh, President Trump the first time, or that time. And so I had a group of 12 boys. knew They're all seventh graders, knew every one of their parents. I knew exactly how each of their parents was going to vote, right? And so I... Consequently, I knew how each of those boys would express their opinion for that. But I made them, and I said, okay, if everyone does this, we'll go out and eat. That's always motivational with kids. Tell me why you should vote for the opposite person. That's a good question. And it was amazing. Yeah. That they were much more intelligent than adults. Now, they were motivated. Right. They had pizza and ice creams on the right. line. So they were let's, motivated. Let's dig but in. But they were thinking. Yeah. Right. And that's the kind of conversations we have earlier this year when pre-presidential, before the election, I had a discussion with several of my boys and did the same thing. And we finally all decided that Kanye would have been the best candidate, um, except for he was the only one. Well, Is that who you voted for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, no, no, too personal, no too personal. That's right, no right. Um, And so, um, but the point was, just, it's just thinking. But that com- that was a conversation and a dialogue. Yeah. Now I knew his exactly how his parents were going to vote. I knew if he was able to vote, how he could would have voted. Uh, but you think that's it, one of those more caught than taught kind of things, you know? Yeah, or, but the thing is that when it comes to truth and come to a lot of dialogue, I mean, a lot of issues that kids are in society struggle with, it comes from uh, conversation. I mean, there will not be so much struggle with conversation. So it used to, it was like uh, downtown, someone has a sign that says, uh, it's hard to hate up close. Mm, uh, and that's a good one. It's from Brene Brown. Yes. And so... But it's like, it is hard to hate up close, but we're in a time where if we're up close and uh, and we have difference of opinions, then I am going to hate. And I don't know, uh, hate. I used to think hate was just a Southern word that mm-hmm, we used. Mm-hmm. Now it's become a, a, a national word, except for it's, it's no longer just disagreeable. It's, we must part. Yeah. And I don't have an answer for that other than conversation and uh, i always say my my first mission is to love people Mm -hmm. if they let me right yeah and i think i come from that spot as well and i feel like and i tell when people are moving to the area i feel i said hey we we really love each other here and we want to love you too so we're going to get in 
into your life and we're going to get close and we want to, we want to love you well. And so I, I think coming from that place of, I genuinely love you and then let's start talking. Right. I mean, I, Carly says, you don't ever meet a stranger or you're, you know, you get a little, um, too close to people, but I think, um, that's kind of what we're called to to do sometimes. And so, um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. And so how do you, I think that's the one thing we've got tons of information in our, in the palm of our hand, but we've also got kind of a barrier, right? I can say I'm, I'm I'm kind of behind the curtain of my phone and I can say, or do things that you wouldn't do up close, you know? Um, yeah. In the early days, one of my majors in school was sociology. So I love looking at culture. Yeah. In the early days when you had just landline phones, you had space, Unless you had a party line like we did, I'd pick up and the neighbors on. I'm oh, sorry, click. <laughs> well, I grew up without a phone. Hey, first time I you got me beat. <laughs> the answer, first time I ever answered a phone, I was in Detroit. Oh wow! And I was by myself, and it was a yellow phone, a green phone, a green phone uh-huh. hanging on the kitchen wall, <laughs> and, and it rang. And I'm going like, what do I do here? Uh-huh. So what I did, I picked it up and I put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, it rang again. Yeah. And I go, hello. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but um, but right. in the early days when you had phones, it was you had time to think and mm-hmm. you could only tell one story at a time. Yes. And then, uh, uh, and then I don't know if you remember this or not. I remember this in the early days uh, where the phones would have really long cords. Oh. Yes. And so you could, you could, uh, like try to get away from your parents, but you'd be like, you could get down the hall, but you, you couldn't get in your room. <laughs> but you still, yeah. you still had restraint. Yes, on what you could say and oversight. And you know, there was some oversight there, mm-hmm. right? And so there was no. The worst you could do was talk to one person mm-hmm. at a time, and uh, it's so you had time for things to diffuse and time to change your mind, time for your emotions to come in check, uh-huh. and so forth. And then when the internet comes. And I still remember instant messaging. I mean, I still remember the first time I got in trouble from the internet in that uh, we at that time lived on Carmel Drive and they were building, uh, they were building Indian Trail. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know right where you're at. so at that time, uh, someone had, the kids were trying out for the basketball team. And so I saw online that uh, who made the team. No, no, no. I did not see online. I was the school was open, and I walked through the school, and they had put it up, but the, it, for the next day on the wall. Mm. So when I go back home, I tell my children, "Hey, so and so made the team." Well, they went online and they posted it. No, and then I got phone calls from the schools, like, "How did you da, 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 da? And I'm going like, "I just don't." What it I, was on, I thought it was public information. It was on the wall. Yeah. I just told my children I didn't know how the internet worked. <laughs> no one really did at that time. No. But um, it was, you know, so now it's, then you had the internet and kids could start communicating with instant messenger and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then, mm-hmm. and there's been three significant events in children's lives in America. And the last one was in 2007 is when the smartphone come online, not the BlackBerry, but the smartphone. Right. And that's when uh, the children were introduced, basically freed from their parents to mm-hmm. get information. Right. And, and then, of course, that was pre-social media. Mm-hmm. And then that was just, uh, not only did you get information palm of your hand, now you have 
uh, ability to convey whatever you th- want to convey, whether it's true or not, whether it's well thought out or not, whether you realize, I tell, one of the things that we, principles we try to teach kids in Rise Up is that every choice has a reward mm. and consequence. Mm-hmm. Every choice, good yeah. or bad, has a reward and consequence. Amen. And what I teach people who work with kids and work teach kids is that if it is a bad choice, it has a it has immediate reward and long term consequence. Mm. Okay, if it's a good choice, you have a short term consequence and long term reward. For example, if the kids are all smoking, and you go like, "Hey, I'm not going to smoke." They're going to make fun of you, probably peer pressure. Right. That's a short-term consequence, but a long-term reward in the sense that mm-hmm. you don't do damage, you build your reputation, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so now we have the ability to say whatever we want to as soon as we think it, mm-hmm. whether it's true or not. We don't think about consequences. We don't think about awards. And the only reward that we get and studies show this over and over. It's so how many likes do I get? How many uh, posts and how many forwards and how many da da da? And that is a form. And all studies show I mean, that's a form of chemical rewarding in your brain. Right. Dopamine. And it, it's just, and that's the world in which we live in. And people who work with kids have to understand how we used to do things is not how you, if you want to significantly impact kids. Mm-hmm. You have to think cross culturally. Mm-hmm. You have to think. We both speak English, mm-hmm. but we are diff. We come from different cultures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's been the biggest difference. And that's why what I'm very proud of rise up is that we think cross culturally. Now, most people think cross culturally, thinking where I'm talking about different ethnic groups. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about different worlds, right? Different timelines and um. What would be some advice while we're on this for 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 the parents listening, um, helping their kids navigate phones and in that world, like to where we want to? Because you know, I want to protect my my kids' hearts, and mm-hmm. um, but yet, I mean, it's impossible to block all the junk, right? And so, right. Right. how do you what do what do you teach? I mean, I, I got the short term consequence or the long term, you know, consequences. What? Well, the first thing as a parent. And or anybody who works engages with kids, you have to understand they look at their phone different than you do. To them, that is life. Mm-hmm. That is life, which is crazy to think. And about. so, technology is life. Yeah. And so, when you start messing with that, understand it's not just like, oh, you can't watch TV for a week, right? You are. And it's unfortunate, but it's how it is. You have mm-hmm. to understand uh, too many people my generation spend too much time talking about how it was and how it ought to be. <laughs> I'm in that group now. And I think. so yeah. it's not a, about how it was and how it ought to be. It really is about how it is and how it can be. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just made that up. I like good. it. That's good. Right. It's recorded now. And so. uh, it's recorded. It's for posterity and it's, forever. it's truth, right? Because okay. we're, we're making it so up as we go. the first thing is understand when you engage kids about their phones, right. it is more than just something. It is life. life. And so you handle that very carefully. But what you do is you start early. Mm-hmm. You start you start managing that because that's going to come. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you got a, a youngster that's four or five, uh, first of all, they're going to watch you with your phone. That's true. Okay. So they're going to know, oh, mom and daddy spend a lot of time looking at their palm of their hand. Okay. They must have really <laughs> nice palms. Okay. My palm doesn't. They don't look at my palm that much. That's right. Okay. And then they're going to start seeing that as being important. Okay. But if you early on, now this is the guys on the other side of raising a bunch of kids and get to say how you ought to do it. I like it. That's why I ask. Yes, okay. sir. So early on, you start realizing that as a parent, I need to model values of this phone. If uh-huh. I'm with you, this phone's set aside. If I'm going to look at it, I'm going to tell my kid, hey, I'm expecting a phone call or I'm on call today, you know, that kind of stuff. Other than that, it's you and me, okay? Right. Um, and then when the child understands the, the kid is, then you start early on. It's it's almost like used to. Uh, as parents, we always talk about the talk and early on, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. More important than talk is to talk about the phone. Gotcha. Okay. It's more, I, I just realized that more <laughs> important than to talk about sexuality is to talk about the phone, which you need to start early. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so uh, you start talking early, you start setting boundaries early, and you start delivering consequences early so that when they make poor choices, well, I've lost my phone before for a week or mm-hmm. two days mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's not the end of the world. Right. All right. Because it's already happened early. It's just like any other discipline. It's happened early. Gotcha. Okay. The second thing, and I just had a discussion with a collection of fathers the other day, is that in this world in which we live in, it is values are ever shifting, viewpoints are ever shifting. And so, the, one of the worst things you can do, I think, in teaching a kid is don't do this because it's illegal. Because legal, illegal becomes legal often at some time. Perfect example is um, maybe uh, smoking cigarettes, okay? Well, it's illegal for a 13-year-old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old to smoke cigarettes. But when they get, I forget the age, 21, they mm-hmm. can buy cigarettes and they can smoke. Mm-hmm. Is it still wise to start smoking at 21? No. It's, now yeah. it's no longer illegal. Right. And so if you use illegal as your logic, then legal changes. Sure. Right? So early on, you need to start teaching your kids just one simple sentence. Is it wise? Mm. Wise is universal. It's timeless, and if I can get a kid to tell me that it's wise or unwise, it doesn't necessarily mean that it changes. Mm-hmm. As Now, I come from the Christian faith, mm-hmm. and a lot of my worldview comes from Scripture. Same here. And so what happened, but what happens is my child's worldview that he or she accepts the Bible when they're eight or nine or 12, that worldview may be changed, all right? Mm-hmm. So even using the Bible as my only support mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the best strategy. Right. Now, believe me, I believe 100% in that, all sure. right? Yeah. But if I can get a child and wisdom mm-hmm. existed long before the Bible even mm-hmm. did, okay? And so if I can get a child to ask, is it wise? Mm-hmm. Then that will so when I sit down and look at this on the phone, go like, is that a wise thing to be looking at? Right. 
And I go, no. Okay. And then... Uh, Self-discover okay. through that. A little right. Bit. And then we go, okay, well, I'm your dad. Like I told my daughter the other day, I'm your dad. And I have to consequate this mm-hmm. because that's what dads do. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but it was a conversation consequence. Yes. We, we dealt the con- in the consequence. doesn't mean you don't consequate behavior, right. negative behavior, sure. unwise behavior. But the deal is, should be is getting on thinking about what is wise, mm-hmm. not what is legal, mm-hmm. not necessarily what is scriptural. Please, any of my friends who, or my, who have the same worldview don't get all well, weirded out. I'm going to tell you, it, wise and scriptural line up uh, Almost right. all the time. But see, wisdom come before Scripture. Right. And so that's why that's why I always believe, now I'm getting a little bit theologian to me coming out, <laughs> is that any of God's traditional truth can be supported without a Scripture reference. Okay. Because his truth is truth mm-hmm. forever. Right. And it's— and. It was called wisdom before it was called anything else. Mm-hmm. And so if I can get a a child or an adult to think, is it wise? Doesn't again, it doesn't necessarily mean they will always do the wise thing, but they will always hold on to that principle. And eventually they'll ask themselves, is it is it wise? Mm. That's good stuff, Mike. Well, I like it. That's why Rise Up's doing so well. It's been around <laughs> for so long and it's gonna continue um, into the, the hopefully Thank you. Long I, time be here after you're gone. I am more excited about why we do it rise up than I've ever been. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean I, I will always be I think now I'm moving to the role as coach of coaches. <laughs> yes, um, I would agree and with that. Because the new coaches have to be the new coaches, cheerleaders, champions who can uh who can enter into that world. But the old guys like me mm-hmm. will be the ones who uh, always be telling the coaches, don't live in the past. Be, you're in the present. Yes. Truth is truth. You're in the present. And if you're not the ones, and I, and I tell this to dads, you have, you have the perfect kids for you, and you're parenting at the perfect time. Mm. You're not supposed to be a parent. 20 years ago, you're not supposed to be a parent, mm. depending on who you are, 20 That's good. years from now. I like this. But you are parenting the perfect kids at the perfect time. And society, it doesn't matter who's president, it doesn't matter what bills get passed. Mm-hmm. This is when you're supposed to be a parent. This mm. is when you're supposed to be a dad. This is when you're supposed to be a mom. And you can do this. And if you're working with kids like we work with, you can be a a world changer in their life. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. And that's just so good. I love it. Because um, sometimes you do go, am I equipped for this? And yeah, the Lord put me right here, right now. He's given me these two to pour into. And that's, um, it's not by accident at all. And so, you are the perfect, you have the perfect kids for you. Yeah. And your kids have the perfect father for them. Mm. And those two, that friction is what makes you both better. Right, 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 right. Yeah, if it was too easy, there wouldn't be growth, you know. And it would be someone else's kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's grandkids, right? <laughs> That's grandkids. There you go. Okay. Um, so if you want to mentor, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to get involved with Rise Up, you want to mentor, you can reach out to me directly. Um, you can reach out to Rise Up. Um, 
I think um, you can reach out to Sherry Marion. She's, Sherry Marion, yeah. And where? Hey, we can find you guys where a lot of the time. Well, you can find Sherry a lot of times at Open Doors. Yeah, that's a little coffee is, shop you guys have, right? This is a, that's another one of my wild ideas. All right, uh, but um, I'm glad you followed through on that one. I am too. Yeah. It's um, delicious coffee. It's a sweet little spot. Right. She is, and she's like a mentor there to the mm-hmm. youngsters that work there, but she's also head over our mentoring program. Yes. And so, she does a great job. So we could reach she out to Miss Sherry. Job. Reach out to, and if you reach out to her, she'll give you a free cup of coffee. Ooh, you heard that on the podcast. So One there's point. a reason to listen besides getting besides some great hosts. Great hosts and great, great guests with awesome wisdom. Um, Okay, um, let's see here. We're Carly and I are getting ready to do a donut tasting. And what, what's your favorite donut right now or all time? Oh, gosh. Uh, you cannot go wrong or just go totally wrong with just hot out of the oven, uh, crispy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like, okay, that's first. If you have to go second. Uh, I like... Like a, oh gosh, I was not ready for this. Um, I like it, putting you on the spot. For you are donut. putting you on the spot. But Krispy Kreme, you can't go wrong. Do you no, like no. chocolate? I mean, what we're getting. No. Oh, no, you- no, no. It is just pure. I did this one time. Mm-hmm. I bought a dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts. I wanted mm-hmm. to see how many I could just eat. To get through it all? To get through. Six is my limit. Oh. Six is my limit. Lightweight. In college, we used to get a, a like a, quart of milk when they sold them in court <laughs> and then we i'd have a box of donuts and we'd just go to town and like it was just kind of like that was one thing you know once a month we'd go like just make our and then we'd lay around the rest of the day oh, like, you, oh why you, did i do that yes yeah. then do it again yeah no, like, <laughs> my 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 brain would be like okay it's time to do that again um okay so this is going to be dropping on friday and we get fired up on friday so what fires you up mike on Friday or every day? Every well, well, just tell me something that fires you up and hanging out with my grandson. Yes, that that fires me up. Now uh-huh. we have a total of six grandchildren, but I get to see. I won't tell the other five. <laughs> uh, I know, but I think they're figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I get to see the grandson, the oldest one, quite often, uh-huh. and um, he's just he's just a delight. That fires me up. Fires me up is new projects, yeah. whether it's new businesses. You're a big idea guy for sure. I think that's my next. I think that's that's my thing. Uh, yeah. I'm helping. I love having conversations with young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and who want to start something. Yeah, or whether start ministries or yeah. nonprofits. That's mm-hmm. part of my ne- next phase. Uh, and I, I just love if you what fires me up is starting something new. Uh-huh. That that fires me up. My grandson starting something new. Right. Um, Writing a book, maybe? I am working on writing a book. I am working on... Uh, I had to push always, in there a little bit. You said, I can yes, hold you accountable to that a couple months ago. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of stories. See, we're all made... We all... Our, our current life experiences are basically the, the results of our past childhood experiences. And I've been fortunate to have a lot of interesting and maybe at times challenging life yeah. childhood life experiences being raised in yes. in the holler and I always tell people is that I was the very first kid in Rise Up. I mean Rise Up is just simply an extension of of what was done for me or what I wish was done for right, me. Right, right. And uh and so 
those stories from everything from my grandpa shooting my dog to uh, learning how to pray and playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Like when we were in the eighth grade, we had a, a basketball team in, in my little one room school. We were so horrible. <laughs> uh, well, you only had six kids of us, and one of us was heavy. Uh, and, uh, I'm we tired. Won, we won one game, and that was the final game. Oh, oh wow. Was, yeah. Oh, that was, it was a Hoosiers moment. Yes. It was a, I mean, we had 500 people pulling for us. That's that, awesome. It was so great. But those are the stories who make up who I am. And, and to, uh, I always say this again, uh, you, you're bringing out the, uh, stories or thoughts of myself. Most of the world's greatest resources is buried underground. It's potential. Oh, it's potential. Yeah. It takes so much yeah. potential and put it underground. And so I want the stories is to, I want the kids to know my stories mm-hmm. so that they can tell their stories. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's part of rise up is helping kids reach their potential. Not mm-hmm. all. If we don't know which ones, mm-hmm. we just know if we don't, they won't. Right. So we just do. Exactly. We just do. Well, and you're making our area better, a better place for it. Besides Miss Sherry, what's your favorite thing about Johnson City? In Johnson City, I don't know if there's a more wonderful place to live than Johnson City. Mm. The schools are great. The churches are great. The neighborhoods are great. I mean, even whatever you consider a lesser neighborhood, mm-hmm. it's fairly safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I just love the people of Johnson mm. City. And I'm an introvert. I know. I just loved when I so when I come out of my shell. I, I, I just, know you people out there are amazing. I mean, they just they are amazing. Yeah. And so uh, I think I don't think there's a better place to raise a family than Johnson City. And I say this. There's not a better place to be a poor person than Johnson City. Uh, we have so many people care. We mm. have so many resources. Uh, so spiritually, outdoors, uh, relationally, uh, academically, yeah. educationally, uh, politically, because even here in Johnson City, we can have one of the wonderful things about Johnson City is that people can have we're still we still accept each other's diverse opinions, sure, yeah, and so and I and I hope we always maintain that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I would say, almost John City, there's not a better place on earth to to live, <laughs> other than maybe Snake Holler. Oh, there you go, <laughs> Snake Holler. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. Um, so if you're listening, um, you're continuing to just hear from great people who make up the area and make it great, and so. Um, thank you, Mike, for thank really you. giving away your life to our city and our kids. And um, it's inspiring. And that's why I love hanging out with you and, and sharing in your vision. And um, and there are just a lot of other people out there doing the same thing. And so it just continues to just make our area amazing. And so thank you for what you do. Thank you, Miss Sherry, if you're listening for what you do. I just love you guys. And um yeah, you guys make um, make our area amazing, and we just um, we thank you. So thanks for being my friend. Thanks for coming in today. Um, 
Until next time, I'm Colin Johnson with the Colin and Carly Group and the Johnson City Living Podcast. And thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.